Hello and welcome into the Sober Data NBA show, episode three. I am Andrew Laird, head of content here at Sober Data. Joined once again from the gentlemen who were kind enough to join us for the first episode, Alex Super, Tilt City FC, Keith Jamison, Gator 231. Gentlemen, thank you very much for coming back. What's funny is that like, as soon as the first show ended, we were like, man, we could have gone for hours. Yeah. And I was like, you guys should come back. And here you are. So thank you for uh, taking the time. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Probably not enough time, once again. It, it feels that way. Uh, and But I think it's good and bad. And we have like good and not as great things to talk about today. It seems like there's a huge focus on card prices now. And I talked about this a little bit on the Monday soccer show football for some of you and i didn't <laughs> want to talk about nba at the time but it was like i had to get it out and so i think we're going to discuss that a little bit today yeah but have you guys i mean i know that you guys aren't like the sky's falling in terms mm -hmm. of like prices but like what has been kind of the response that you've had not to the prices but to actually the reaction to the prices Ooh, that's a good one like my like our personal response or what we're seeing like when you see people who are focused on prices which for mm -hmm. a lot of players are going down like what do you what's what do you think about when you see that and have you like said anything about it to people that like to make them to either agree with them or the opposite um i'll jump in then i want to hear alex's too but i want to jump in because i actually just thought of this as you asked the question and hadn't really thought about it before. But when I joined so rare year and a half ago, football side completely and utterly consumed with card prices. So I kind of understand it to that aspect of why somebody that's brand new would be completely consumed their card value. Like looking at their silver data, you know, gallery valuation every two seconds and going, sure. why did it go down? Why all this stuff? Like the sky is falling, all of that. Like, I think the more I think about it in that aspect, I completely get it. And all of this should have been predictable and warranted. But at the same time, I don't know how many, how many analogies we want to go into later that you and I have talked about, but like at the, at the crux of Silver is the game. I the word that I see over and over again that I don't like is investment. Because it's a game. It, that, that's the whole thing of it. And if you play long enough, what I have noticed over and over again, the people that don't overreact to prices and play the game and just work on optimizing their lineups and optimizing the game, they do quite well. So I think that would be my stance on it. So kind of to what you said, and he's gone. Uh, I, <laughs> so when I started... I was pretty much just putting together a football threshold team and I was very consumed with the investment and like, you know, that 0.02 ETH to me was, was a big tick up. And now that I've kind of divested more from football and I'm in baseball and basketball pretty exclusively, I don't care about that number because I know I just got to like win once. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm all right. So I'm used to the prices falling. The guys that I buy, you know, I was buying guys either in football for specialists 
and all of that. And they were tanking anyway, because that's the name of that game or yeah. baseball where, you know, it was just a constant downtick because that was the market. So I'm used to it. I haven't really seen a lot of reaction um, just because I'm trying to stay off Twitter, but I understand it. And it's, it's kind of wild. I mean, you were sharing some of those prices that people were buying and selling for just like panic selling and getting out of the market already. And it's just kind of a misunderstanding of this particular market, I guess. So I don't think it's really possible to ignore the value of your cards as you play the game. Like, cause like that's kind of how we keep score. Like the idea is that you like put a certain amount of money in and how you do in the game, which the way that we are looking at it is like rewards, like you win cards mm -hmm. and like, that's how, that's the best way to like increase your, your value that like you bought these cards and now you've won something. So like you actually haven't sold your cards and you still have those. And now you have this other card and you, we just go from there. And so the val like, I don't think there's any other way to figure out how you're doing in the game other than gallery values or just like the number of cards you have, like, Oh, I bought five and now I have eight. And so like, I'm, I'm winning, but I understand why the value affects so many people. Mm -hmm. What I struggle with, and I think that Top Shot played a part in it for a lot of the new people, it, which is funny because it was like what Top Shot was, that people were like, oh, I bought this thing for $10 and I just sold it for 1000 And when it was new, that's what they did. And like so rare NBA is new. So like that should work again. And it's not working the same right. way because they're like completely different things. So like we we talked, pre, you know, not on stream, just like of some of the cards that we've seen people are buying. And it's like, oh, I they bought a card for $300 yesterday and they sold it today for $220. And it's like, yeah. that's how you lose at this game. Like you're not, and and I understand the idea if like you think that, card is going from 300 to 100 and you're like i'd rather get 220 now but it's wild to me excuse me to make that determination like hours after you bought the card yep like it's just everything just seems so short-sighted and there are people like there's i i it's, it's like hardly anger but i could see people when they're like man card prices are really dropping and people come to them and they're like, it's only been a week. You just got to wait. And it's like, well, that doesn't mean that doesn't make you feel better. The card prices aren't going up just because I have to wait. Right. But like, that's the answer. Like, there's no reason to think that something you bought today should be worth like a lot more later today. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's how it feels like people are responding. But I mean, that is that that's also like the almost feels like the crypto component of things is that like people expect that. You know that 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 short run thing. I'm like, I was trying to. I don't think I think I saw it on Twitter. You know, the place that Alex wants to avoid. But Alex, we are going to bring up Twitter and that picture before I leave this stream. Period. And it's right. But I 
they somebody like mentioned i, I want to say it was like on a comment on one of the threads that laird was asking a million questions on but so any they were any like twitter thread, really. <laughs> that's about any twitter thread right where there's disagreement but that's the socratic was, method he's just going socratic that's right right but Thank it you. was like the like i think somebody might even ask the question like how do you calculate your return like you know the person was talking about his investment so they go okay I'm going to go investment-wise. How are you calculating your return? And I think the response from the person complaining was, well, my card was worth 100 and now it's worth 50 And the person responded back like, no, no, what was the return? And that's like one of the, the, the hardest parts I think where you're getting to too is, okay, you bought this. You bought this card. And yeah, in a day, you know, something happened or, you know, sentiment changed and it dropped. And that's really, really sucky. Like nobody's here is saying, Oh, just, just deal with it. Like mm -hmm. we don't enjoy, like, I don't enjoy high pointing a graph. Like in server data showing me that I high pointed a graph, but at the same time, if all of a sudden I can now yield, you know, this week alone, I can win a Kevin Durant rare or next week I can win a LeBron James limited. And now I can recoup that investment. Yeah. It stinks that that card's value went down, but you know, that, that card's worth 50. And now I won $150 with it. For the hundred dollar investment, well, then that hundred dollar investment was worth it, right? Actually, almost double. I think the especially funny thing about the the short term, like someone expecting to yield more at the end of the day, is if you understand this game at all, the the ebb and flow of the players' worths are going to be kind of up and down way more than any of the other sports right. like it's yep. all about when they settle back into their l10 and when they get minutes like at some point they are going to kind of boom unless they just get benched and toil into obscurity and go play in europe or whatever but right. to to even aside from the yield component like i bought a, a john collins at 0.05 and right now he's selling for like 0.01 because he matched his L10 and that was kind of where his ceiling was going to be. And then now it's going to slowly come down and eventually he's going to be back towards a 20, 25. He's going to put up a 50 and all of a sudden that price is going to go up. And the it's, it's a different dynamic than like in football where a guy gets benched and all of a sudden you're like, all right, I either got to <laughs> pow this dude or I got to just wait until he gets a better opportunity. And this is like, now he's in his period where he's got to play his way through it. He's either got to play his way above it or just play his way down until he's playable again. So it's, it's just an interesting dynamic and the, the top shotification of it is so short-sighted in a number of ways. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't want to like blame top shot for it. It just sure, felt no. like, I mean, it's probably a general NFT thought and like mm -hmm. NFTs are right. getting crushed now anyway. So, yes. but yeah. So one of the things that I talked about on Monday that I'll bring up here because not everybody watches that show is the calls from a lot of people who are like, you, they like sort of have to slow the auctions down. There are just too many right. auctions. The secondary market is basically dead. And the reason why everything's dead is because so rare, because there are a hundred auctions a day, it feels like of every player. And that's where the, I think that's where some of the negative sentiment comes because it's like, hey, I bought this card and I'm not competing against other people who have bought cards to sell mine. I'm competing against SoRare now. 
Because it's like, I'm going to sell this card for $25, but SoRare is selling 10 of them today and all of them could be less for what than what I want. And like, that's the reason why the constant auctions are viewed as bad by people who are selling cards. And then this whole like 5% transaction fee on everything is just on top of that. They're like, now I have to make even more to compete with the auctions. So the point that I made on Monday that I'm not going to like, go really far into. But basically, the Sora NBA game is so new and the primary focus is to get more people to play the game. Correct. Like that's what we want to do. They want more users to play this game. And the way you do that is to offer the most number of ways to play the game, which is to offer the most number of cards you can. And if you slow auctions, you are limiting the number of people who can come up and play. It's like, oh, I want to buy a Giannis today. Well, there's only like four people who are selling Giannis cards on the secondary market. They're all triple what he sold for yesterday. So you either have to pay triple or you're just not going to play. Or you just offer a bunch of auctions and now anybody who wants Giannis can go get Giannis. Yep. And at this point of the game, I mean, it's like, Probably three weeks in, <laughs> like the, the goal is to get more people in and the auctions are the easiest way to do it. Yeah. Does that hurt people who have, who bought earlier auctions for higher prices? Absolutely. Do those people have to sell their cards for half of what they bought them for? Nope. Can they play them in the game? Yes. And like, theoretically, if you're early, you have more XP on your card, unless you ignore training, which don't ignore training. But like, that's why I had this, like, that was my, my reaction to like, they have to stop the auctions because they're killing the secondary market. And it's like, this wasn't even like a thriving secondary market. Like we haven't right. had time for it yet. Like we need more people to play the game. We know how many cards they could mint. Like, that's the other thing is that of like, we know that they're, they could make 5,000 limiteds of every yep. player. And if they How made, are they gonna get them out there? <laughs> if they minted 5,000 of every player, we'd all be like, all right, that they must think that there are enough users for that. And like that's not necessarily a bad thing, because that means all these you know, all these people are playing. Yep. And so the the early like they need to fix, they need to slow the auctions, they need to not mint as many cards, they need to help us out, they need to do ETH or else nobody's gonna buy these cards. Like the cards are getting sold. Lots of people are buying them. The prices may be going down now, but like if more people are playing the game, then like we all win in the longer term of than three weeks. And <laughs> that's so that's again the, the way it's gonna ebb and flow. When they turn that faucet off, all of a sudden my you know, my Mo Bamba who might get Mo. 20 minutes here and there and like someone's going to need him to play the game and might just be like, maybe he'll pop off. And all of a sudden he's worth at least what I bought him for. And when you look at it through a window of like six weeks or whatever it is, it's, I don't know how you judge a market that way. I don't mean to beat a dead horse or anything with ebbs and flow in the long term, but I mean, like that's kind of the name of the game. Yeah. <clears throat> I think the other thing that a lot of people ignored early on, maybe they didn't ignore but like we talked about it on the first show, like the whole Keegan Murray thing that prices in the game are really dependent on 
how effective a player will be in the game. And I'll give Keith some credit here for being early on the Cam Thomas train. And whenever it went, so he's like, everyone's complaining about uh, prices, blah, blah, blah. It's like every, nobody, everyone's saying you can't make any money. And then Cam Thomas, who has kind of come back down, but like yeah. we had see this huge spike for a player that like nobody really knew or not that he, nobody knew, but like nobody was buying obviously. And then all of a sudden he completely spikes and like it, he was like a base. I mean, are, are we calling him a cheat code? Like whatever he was for a week, for, for a week, week he was code, right. And so to the point half. where, yes, if you had like recognized that situation, you could have profited from that. And instead everyone's like looking at Jokic's falling price while ignoring like his falling fantasy scores also. And they're just like, oh, got to blow the whole thing up. And it's like, there there are opportunities here. And I think it's just that too many people are ignoring them. I, I do think it's really interesting. The, the I think one of the funniest parts about this game that I've noticed so far, because um, like you said, I've been kind of trying to like tread the water in terms of like being able to like pick up some flips like Cam Thomas, like right when we saw Durant, I'm sorry, uh, Kyrie go down. Yeah. We obviously knew there was going to be huge openings. A lot of people ran to Sumner. Sumner had a big spike, and he's been starting. And then Patty Mills had a big spike, too, because they're like, oh, Patty Mills, we know this guy forever. And actually, it was like, I remember me and, you know, on the DFS side, my DFS uh, content partner, we're like, man, I really hope this opens up for Cam Thomas. And I was actually late to Cam Thomas. Like, you could have gotten him probably one game before where I did. And I think the first game, he pops off like 28 minutes huge volume scorer in college. And it's like, oh, he's actually the bump. Yeah. It wasn't the other two guys. It was this. And so I was like messaging Laird over, I think like my fourth or fifth beer. I think I was trying to figure out, I think this was my first message. Is Bud Light L-I-T-E or L I T E or L I T E? And I'm like, oh, exactly how it and I'm like, and oh, by the way, I bought like six Cam Thomases or five Cam Thomases. And you're like, why? I'm like, just look, look at his minutes. And then it was like, I think it was the next day, everybody realized his L10 was six. And he had just gone off for, I think, 28 or 30 fantasy points a game. And he's now the hip guy or the guy that you need. And what's really cool about this game is you can find opportunities like that, you know, maybe make a little bit of, of extra ETH balance by taking advantage of those situations. And then I'm trying to do it like I bought a Jokic on like the second week. So I, th- I think that Jokic is very down from where I bought it, but I'm gaining XP on him. He's still going to be a card that's going to make me, you know, I think new cards in the future. And on top of that, I can supplement that difference with, with some flipping opportunities too, because I'm, I am invested and I am paying attention to what's going on. So I'm kind of taking the market as that too. There, there's still, I personally am not finding problems selling cards that are in demand the actual right cards <laughs> well isn't that kind of funny though that when we say the right cards like for a given game week it's actually like alex said completely off the l10 completely off of who's going to benefit the game the most which in a way is sort of a perfect account like exactly what from like a mini solar economy that's how it should work right the card that 
you need the most to win should in fact be the most valuable in that given moment. Yeah, I think the, so when you bought those Cam Thomas cards, what was your yeah. expectation in terms of holding it? I know you, oh, how long was it going to hold it? Or yeah. like, did you I think mean, I'm, no. I'm selling this card soon? I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't need five of them. I mean, there's not that many competitions to play in. I didn't want him for my training. I mean, I think we've seen enough to know too, that a low L10 guy, as soon as the low L10 is no longer a low L10, the value is gone. I mean, that's why I've been, you know, whether I was with you on a show or like Quinny analysis, like I said, like this is a very DFS type of game. It's very daily fantasy game more than the football side of things is because on those type of guys, I don't think you need to be in and out of a Jokic or an Embiid or a Giannis very much. Like they're, they're very stable in terms of what they're going to produce for you. But a Cam Thomas type, it's great if he keeps putting up 25 to 30 fantasy points, but the moment that his L10 is 25 to 30 and he's putting up 25 to 30, he's no longer a good card. Yeah. Yep. And I especially if Kyrie comes back, God knows what's happening there. But the moment that happens, now he's really dead. That's really, really a, a cruddy card for a while. So right, I think now you have the L10 of 25 and he's scoring eight. And you're like, it's even playing tonight? Right. <laughs> like. So I think that that's the that is one hard part where I do think it's not like Soder's job to educate, but like I think people playing kind of have to understand those things. I mean, it was what we talked about Keegan Murray, the first ever show here and all the other ones we did, right? It was like all these people are, are rushing to Keegan Murray. It's like as long as they understand that that value could be – I think me and you were the first ones to call for like it could be like literally 90% off. I think a lot of people were like, oh, you know, fall by half. And me and you were kind of like, no, no, it could go like all the way down to comparable type of players. Yeah. So I think as long as people understand that. Yeah. I think the weird thing about Murray, and I think what people have started to finally okay. realize is they were like, well, he's like a good player. And so like, I'll still use him. Like, it'll be fine. But like, he wasn't that. Like, no, fine really just like isn't how you win this game. Like you you can't get by with enough fine. Like particularly with somebody like Murray, if he was like, yeah, he's got an L10 of 28 and he's scoring 25, like that really does you no good. Like at some point in your lineups, you're like, I just need like raw points, but like that's not how you get them. And so the, the price is obviously like really affected. Alex, have you have you tried to focus at all on like trading contender friendly players? I haven't just because of where my ETH was when everything launched, I, it was just a slow sell off of other assets and then buying things that made sense. And now my gallery is kind of to the size where I can make those sorts of decisions, but no, I was mostly trying to find those guys and grab them early and play them like Blake Wesley and RIP to his knee. Oh, but so I, I was focused on it, but not for the flipping aspect as much. And like I, and Keith knows this about me, I detest like the amount of attention you have to pay to like NBA DFS sure. mm -hmm. and I just, 
I don't have time for it. I like sitting on my spreadsheet and dividing things by other <laughs> things and ch chasing the guy's minutes and paying attention to rotations is not my bag. I just like to hit that refresh button, see the projected minutes, say this guy is way underpriced and grab him and play him. So yeah, it just hasn't been my bag doing that. I've never, I've never had fun with it. And I was actually going to ask, and I don't mean to steer away the conversation or anything, but do you guys think that this game is a little too involved for enough casual people to get into it, like mm -hmm. to actually have success? I, I, Laird, you go. I'm, I'm already nodding, so I already answered. If people are watching, but I'm curious here. I that was actually my this. initial thought. Like you just, there's way too much work involved, and the more that I've played, I actually think it is not like I think you can play it casually like i actually do and so the i don't like you're not going to be as successful as people who play it really seriously but i think that's what should happen like sure. if you put in more time and effort and money into this game like you should have better results but i do think it is easier to play casually than i did at the beginning okay and i think part of it is basically what i did this week and I will completely admit that I, I submitted a champion limited lineup that I just assumed was up in flames as soon as it started. Not like DFS flames, but like actually like lighting, on, <laughs> lighting money on fire flames. Like I've talked about this a lot. Like I bought a bunch of Villanova cards and I submitted a five player Villanova lineup this week in limited champion. I was going to do it in contender. But the guys are too good, man. So I had to play. <laughs> but like, right. I'm I'm going in against like the Giannis's and the Doncic's lineups, and like my best player is like Mikhail Bridges, and I'm like, I'm not gonna win this week, but I'm going for it. And it's right. like, th that's that's like the definition of casually playing this game. And if you're willing to, like, it could happen. They could pop off. It's, it's still like really early in terms of like the number of people who are competing. So like, I, I was like, if I end up with a tier five limited, like, cool, so be it. that could be, that could be a cheat code sooner or later, you know? And so yeah. I, when I, when the game launched, I was like, casuals are dead. And I, I don't think that way anymore, though. I do think that they're at a significant disadvantage, particularly if they're playing contender, just because like that's where you need to find the values and the guys who are going right. to greatly outperform their L10s. It's, it's actually funny, right? Because when they like launched it, you were like, okay, contenders is where you just go kind of like to screw around, so to speak. And actually that's champion because yeah. you don't, if you, <laughs> exactly. if you just, you know, are like trying to like, let it, let it ride, so to speak, just don't get too many good guys. Just get like your favorite players like you just did. And you'll always be under the cap and champion. You know, if you just get a lot of middle tier players, like you're going to be fine. Um, I think you kind of turned me around there, especially to the fact that like uh, a tier four could actually be like the value of a tier two any given week. Like, you know, if you just kind of hold on or, you know, if you're a casual, just holding on to the cards that you accumulate then could actually give you better lineups when the player's roles change. You know, I, I joked about, 
Memphis, you know, not this version of Memphis, but Memphis a few years back, literally it was every single season in DFS. When March came, Memphis had six guys left. And like everybody on Memphis's team were elite players because they decided to get the shots. Like Dylan Brooks was like the like scoring like 30 real points a night, things like that. Tyus Jones, those type of guys. So you can just kind of wait sometimes and uh and you know, some of those rewards may turn into pretty darn good good players anyways for the game. It it does feel like tier five well, five may be a little aggressive, but like it does feel like lower tier rewards are hold or tier players have a faster path to potentially being yep. I don't I'm not I don't think they're gonna be tier ones, but like they could turn into players who could help you win tier ones a lot more than than soccer that like tier three yeah. oh my God, in for soccer sure. you're just like i'm going to have this card forever or i'm going to sell it for a dollar because this 38 year old center back who's already in the second division probably isn't going probably to help me much but but in in the nba like everything just moves so fast and we've like seen guys like cam thomas who like basically something happens I don't even want to go into what, why he ended up playing, but basically like weird things happen and guys like him become like ultra valuable. And the cool thing with, with these situations is when they become valuable, like they're valuable in the game if you play them or they're valuable and you can sell them and they're, it's like a total win. And that's, I think that's actually one of the coolest aspects about NBA. And I was going to say one of the harder things for the casual player, I think is say you have a set dollar amount, you come onto the platform and you're like, I'm gonna buy five guys, and you buy five really good guys, then the hard thing becomes being able to feel the team because those guys are gonna price themselves out of their L10. And unless you're playing like a 79 L10, uh, then all of a sudden, like you have to go buy more players. But if you win, those guys actually become usable in that situation. And that is the cool part. Like to to be able to win something that you can't immediately use sometimes. And if things are going the right way, you have to use them. That's, that's one of my favorite things about the whole thing. So someone, um, Jonas say Sora brought it up. I think it's Sora. Yep. I like it's, that. It's, so it's a good tactic to be like Pavel trader and that getting a lot of bench players, especially direct handcuffs. That's not really the NBA term, but basically that knowing mm-hmm. that they're more, that more than likely they will be flippable playable at some point. I don't want to say more than likely, like there right. are lots of players in the NBA who like are not playing right now and probably won't play all season. I don't even know what needs to happen. Like I did a, a little short video, like, I don't know, like two weeks ago about, you know, when these, these teams start tanking here could be like five guys that don't really have a big role now, but have the road to a really big role. Does the Jeremiah Robinson are all all-stars? <laughs> right. Well, like, like, like one of my favorites on there is Nakia Alexander Walker for Utah, who is barely in the rotation right now, but it's a guy for the Pelicans in the past. We've seen when he got, when he got run, would he, he loves to shoot. Those type of guys are good. The guys that aren't scared, aren't afraid to shoot the ball are always pretty good targets. And so he uh, can drop like 30 real points in a game. So they, I kind of speculate that is so what I love about that question, though, is that it actually kind of ties into roller coaster prices. So I'm going to flip this to you guys. I think yes to that answer is those are the type of players to target. But then I go, there's also, I don't necessarily want to tell you that's what you should be doing. 
because of the volatility in prices. I would almost rather you put your money or whatever balance you have towards making your teams the most competitive and then just trying to stay just a little bit ahead of the game. I think if we tie too much into, you know, stashing players, like we really don't know what the price is. Like we don't know what an efficient price for Jokic is. Like we think we might, like there was a question way earlier too, should prices stabilize? Yes, they're going to stabilize at some point, but I don't think we really, there's nobody that can really tell us definitively what a Nikola Jokic rare out of a thousand should be because it's just too early. I, I think that's a really good point. And the one thing that I've been trying to also say to other people is that like, what we think we know from football really doesn't help us in NBA. Like just in terms of like the market that like the best scoring players, rare card is 10 ETH in football. And so like a, or a Giannis rare should be 10 ETH here. And it has nothing to do with the fact that a rare football card is out of a hundred and the NBA one is out of a thousand, but like, we just don't know. And like, as much as people are like, there are so many cards, they're auctioning so many. And it's like, we still, like you said, we don't know what an efficient price is for these guys. And so I can, I, I haven't seen much content about like, here are five underpriced guys, because like, I don't think anyone is like bold enough to do that, especially as no, prices God, going no. down. But I do think that there is, there are like, value opportunities yeah and i don't like if you're if you can put in that work then like i think you can take advantage of that i don't have time to put that work in and so i kind of like rely on others but like those situations are possible and so if you're going out and like buying durant or damian lillard and you're like man my card is worth half that it was a week ago i'm just not sure like like that's not where you make like your biggest returns, at least in terms of value. Like those are the cards that help you win rewards. Those are not the cards that you buy to, to like flip because they'll be worth double in a week and a half. Yeah. And to your point too, because we don't know that like valuation aspect, that's why you don't really, I wouldn't really want to like stash guys if I'm also concerned about my value. Because we don't have that that floor established at all. Right. Like, I think it's okay to pick up those guys because you need them or you think you're about to need them in a week. Or you think that Utah's about to start or, you know, that's like a bad example for with, with Nah. But, like, you know, you know, you're just like, okay, Embiid's going to sit anytime soon. Or I think they're going to change up the rotation and Montrezl Harrell is going to get more run. That's a speculation, like, if it's going to be in the short term. But I, I would be really, really – worried about buying guys for february right now i would want to like keep them an eye right it's just too far away um on that what do you think alex i yeah i, I wouldn't do because i mean buyouts are a thing the trade deadline gets yeah. wild and then all of a sudden like i i think there's one thing where you can look at bad teams like all right mike conley's 37 he can contribute to a title winner and Colin Sexton would benefit if he could straight it. Same with Jordan Clarkson. So like by Colin Sexton, but yeah, if you're like, Oh, I'm going to buy Embiid's backup because what if he gets hurt before they go to the playoffs and all of a sudden, I don't know who is, uh, if Tobias Harris all of a sudden is going to have all this run 
I mean, maybe they go get a buyout backup center. So I, I wouldn't do that personally. I will say though, like guys right now, like, like at the high end, because you're going to see ebbs and flows there too. Like Anthony Davis is half the price of Kevin Durant, uh, Jason Tatum, and can put up those same sort of scores on the same L10. Um, Damian Lillard got hurt and his price went way down. LeBron has been, I don't know that LeBron's the best uh, example because I don't know that anything's going to get better for the Lakers. And I don't know that he's exactly uh, at his peak either, but like his price is down because he's putting up 45 points on a 59 L 10 or whatever it is. So like, he's worthless. He's, he is my worst common card. And I was so excited to win him. Uh, If you uh, ever, if you've ever seen the way that I look at him and uh, I like, those are the, those are real flipping opportunities. It doesn't cost you a whole lot to go get an Anthony Davis right now, like 0.03.035 for these two guys. But, but what I like about like the Anthony Davis out there is I can also use Davis right now. And we kind of were talking about God, who, who do we just use as like, Oh, bad example, Keegan Murray. Okay, so like here's why Keegan Murray was so bad <laughs> in a lot of ways is because Keegan Murray on on the Kings, he is at best, at best the third option, and he's more likely the fourth or fifth because you got De'Aaron Fox is going to get his shots, and then you got Sabonis, which are going to get his. Those guys are always coming before in the pecking order to Keegan Murray. So at best, Keegan Murray's the third best player, which he's probably not even that. Kevin Herter is there and commands a lot of shots, got paid a lot of money. So the upside for Murray isn't there as a fourth or fifth option. Anthony Davis is an alpha, right? Anthony Davis is going to be either the number one or the number two, deciding if LeBron James actually cares to play tonight. And Anthony Davis can drop 60 or 70. Keegan Murray, if he drops 60 or 70, I'm like, what the hell happened? Like, how, how did that happen with Anthony Davis drops 60 or 70? You go, okay. You know, he's the former, you know, we, we thought he was a top five player not too long ago. So I think that those are the type of players we really need to kind of focus on. I think, Laird, you were even joking about me in a DM. Like, that's the type of list that you want to see is the guys that can really, really, really spike doing? hard. What are you doing? You know. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. Secrets, Se- no I- secrets get get disclosed. But it's just, but the the point remains. Like, look at all those upsides, right? That's what we want. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And his his path there is so much easier than like him specifically. Like these high volume guys who play defense, the the path is so much faster to those big scores with defenders. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think. We, I don't want to say we're at fault for this, but I'm going to say Uh, it just to start uh this. But we were talking like on the first show about how many like really good trading opportunities are on NBA. So maybe we didn't explain enough that it was not on the stars. Like the stars are not the good trading opportunities. Unless like, unless someone gets hurt and they get really cheap and then you're like, oh, when he comes back, he'll be worth a lot more. And you can like do that. Like we were saying when Lillard got hurt for a few games, when Harden got hurt, like right away, his price like tanked. And it's like, this guy's still good. And if you're willing to wait the month while he's out, I will say that Sora did a pretty good job of stopping those auctions pretty quickly though. I think who was it? DeAndre Ayton, when he got hurt, 
the auction stopped. And I remember like watching his price come down and I was like, he's getting to a point where, and like, I actually really don't even like DeAndre Ayton, but like it got to a point where the price was just too low for what he can do. Like, where did he get? They probably have a red button on the wall that says stop Aiden auctions. I mean, you could have gotten, so it does feel auction, like, like an Aiden card for $13. And like, he's better than that. Like he's not the best player in the NBA, but he's better than that. And so I think those are the situations you can take advantage of. But when people are going in and buying Doncic and Jokic and Morant, and they're like, man, I'm not able to flip this card. These guys are the best players in the game. And it's like, they're the best players in the NBA. Right. They're not necessarily the best players in this game, this like fantasy game. I mean, they score the most. So I'll, I'll give it that. But like yeah. none of none of like what we're doing in this game is a pure like a one, you know, like a singular focus on that player. Like if you decide that you're going to take the 60 point L10 hit for Giannis, then you got to think that your other four guys are good. Not in champion. Right. Not in champion. You're right. <laughs> well, if you want to play Giannis and Doncic, then one of the, you know, you you're gonna, like it's, it's a lineup. It's not, this guy is right. good. So I'm going to play him all the time. And so I think, I think maybe we just didn't like emphasize enough that like the trading opportunities are for guys that you have not heard of as opposed to the Correct. guys. It's every Thomas. Keegan Murray. Have you gotten Keegan Murray before it was cared about? I mean, I'm trying to think of all the Bismack Biombo we've seen oh, have a huge. The Biombo prices were so funny. I mean, I mean, we, yeah, we for Aiden. Yeah, well, and Laird, we we almost had this one. Me and you both got on it right when the news happened. But Dwayne Dedman almost was like a huge one when we thought Bam was going to miss. Well, Bam's still here's just like the really interesting thing too. Let me just make this point about some of these flip cards. If you buy a guy for a flip and it doesn't happen, wait. <laughs> because like a lot of the guys that we think like, okay, so like Dwayne Dedman, direct backup for, for Bam Adebayo. If you, Laird, if you go to his uh, SO5 scores, can you just like go as far out as you can? We're going to see some huge spikes on there. Okay, there's some greens but way back there. Damn. So, like, I can remember from DFS, those are when, like, Bam missed. Because he can go, like, hard because he blocks shots, gets a lot of boards. If you missed it and, like, Bam plays, just chill out. Bam's going to miss a game or two, and that chance will come back. Like, don't just all of a sudden, you know, you bought the guy for, I don't know, 10 bucks, and now he's worth 5 type of thing. Like, that's the one where I'm going to say, even though we don't know what price they're going to be, just hold on. You might still get that. 20 to 30 buck opportunity when bam's out before a deadline and everybody's rushing to get to get dd so i'm thrilled that you brought this up particularly Sweet. deadman and has nothing to do with <laughs> the fact that i snap bought a rare and a limited and have i did too for him. however so like this run-up on deadman was i didn't was, even know there said. was a run-up i didn't even know that happened i i thought we like over yours was probably shot. here. We didn't. Yeah, yeah probably. you're probably in here, and I waited. However, like Dwayne Dedman's never going to be like an all star. He's never going to have an L ten of forty. Like he's just right. not going to like. No matter how long Adebayo's out, <laughs> he's not getting there. Right, and he's not even out. But this is what happens on the news that Adebayo could miss, 
And as you can see, like I didn't sell out of it like I could have. I don't want to say I didn't try, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> but the price came back down because Adabio didn't miss any time. And it's like, right. all right, so it went back to normal. Deadman is now back to being, I mean, what? how much does this card cost? $3? Not even? So $2.59 for the last one. Right. But as you said, like, Bam Adebayo is probably going to miss a game. And if we knew, know this, like, by a deadline, like, we've seen what happens. Shoot back up. And so it can shoot right back up. Yeah. And so it that almost, like, now, now this sounds like, well, let's go buy all these garbage <laughs> players. But, like, if if you can stomach that, like, this is right. where you triple your money. I think it's all about a budget, too. Right? Like, when we just talk about, like, run out and buy it. Like, if you have a limitless budget and, like, this is fun for you. We did talk about, like, I started out with talking about as a game. Like, go have fun. Like, if that's going to bring you joy and, like, you're like, oh, man. Like, got him. Now let me wait for the news. Like, go for it. I think we're more talking to the same people that are also worried about price so much that maybe, you know, just buying tons of backups and buying your time, that's not going to exactly remedy the, the bleeding that you're feeling right now. The people who couldn't hold a good card for more than eight right, hours. Right, right. The guy that, you know, bought Kevin. I mean, Laird looked it up for me, but I, I bought a Kevin Durant rare today from somebody for 0.19 ETH or whatever. And I think the guy bought him yesterday for 0.26 or 0.27. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, what changed? Like, did you even get a chance to use <laughs> use the card? You know, no chance. Stuff. Yeah, it, Stuff. yeah. I, I don't. I've seen a lot of that, and it's like Sad, a lot of the actually. buying for three hundred and selling for two fifty today because something happened that makes them think this isn't good anymore, and the. I was going to say something else before. Now I completely lost it. <laughs> it's okay. Ah, all right. But there if is a not, question wanna... in the chat that I was going to, that I'd like to ask you guys, because okay. even though I don't think there's a reasonable answer for this. Great question. When, <laughs> when do you think prices go up again? And do they go even higher than what we saw? Go ahead, Hoop. I'll, I'll Hoop. <laughs> uh, what we saw, no. Because what we saw was the number one mints, but right. the the higher end of the the come down. I don't know the All Star break when they finally start putting TV ads out for this sort of thing. I guess is <laughs> that's that's kind of what I've been saying. I was so hopeful that we were going to see an ad per inning break uh, during the MLB playoffs, and they were tweeting out pictures of like the the sideboards at the stadiums that just said like so rare, like anybody knew what it was outside of us nerds um but no it's 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 when the user base grows right like exactly. it's when the user base grows and all of a sudden that that growth starts and then it kind of starts to halt and then the auctions start to halt and then all of a sudden everybody's like oh the guys that i bought when i got on this platform aren't going to help me win i need x y and z at a lower l10 to kind of try and leverage it yeah. everyone's going to go through the growing pains that we all kind of went through but it's just about getting people on the platform and yeah like rising tide raises all ships right like that's that's how we get there yeah i think 
I think fundamentally there are players on the platform that you buy to play in the game. And then there are those that you trade. And the more that we play, the more obvious it becomes which players are which. Like Giannis is not the card you buy to flip. Right. Like, I don't know what, like, I don't see what happens to Giannis that everyone is like, oh, I really need a Giannis now. Other than, well, I guess this situation is that he is so much like if Doncic gets hurt and Jokic get, and like everyone who could possibly score 60 gets hurt and he's the only one left, like that's when everyone's like, oh, now I need a Giannis. But like, right. I just don't think we've gotten, I don't think there is a mechanism in this game where we go back to, I mean, point four for a limited Giannis is not happening again. Like I, it's just, I don't see why it would get there. Like that's basically yeah, double the price right now. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a buy that high to get in that early to win rewards that early and hope they make your price back sort of price. Yeah. But whether or not that actually happens, I am excited to see, you know, like I can't think of who the last person was in the NBA to do this, but again, we're still so early in the cycle of just the NBA, but I want to see who that guy is who goes from like a 1920 L10 guy and just turns into a superstar in the league who actually has staying power and what that Ooh, graph starts to look like. Like, yeah, if say Jeremy Lin sustained oh sanity levels, so like he just yes. came out of nowhere. Yeah. I think that would be very interesting to see. Not that that answers the question or anything, but like there's still so many other wrinkles that we're kind of yet to experience and when if hype runs into hype, like if hype on the platform runs into a hype player, there's going to be some crazy prices there too. So can I make a make a comment and then ask a question later? Are you cool with it? Free for all, man. Okay, your show, your show. So I want to make sure I'm not overstating. So um, I saw it like a few times in the chat, but I think comparing NBA to football or or MLB to basketball or any of the cross three, I just don't think is a good mechanism because we don't know that NBA couldn't be bigger than football. We don't know that football is as big as silver is ever going to get. I don't think there's any way to, to notice. So I don't, I wouldn't even like compare, you know, Luca to Kimmich prices. Like even if it's like limited or rares, I just don't, I, I think it's just kind of like a trap exercise for your, your mind. <laughs> and there's not really a correct thing. So um, that's my comment. But my question because we only have a few minutes. Either one of y'all have a dis- this is gonna be a strategy question more than prices. Have either one of y'all feel like you understand what the right champion build is? Meaning, I feel like I've been falling into this. All right, I need a stud at MVP, and then kind of trying to do upper echelon players from there on out. And if I have like a punt, great. And if not, you know, just trying to find like like last week was like Levert, you know, uh, Mitchell, Mitchell and Garland were out before. I thought Levert was going to smash those type. Like, do we think it's studs and duds or studs and cheat codes? Or do we think it's balanced guys that can go off? Either one of y'all have a feeling on that? I think so. I, I put out a video about guys who are like long-term holds and like a steady Eddie, I think you call it, right? Yeah. The way I kind of pegged them into that category is they're they're essentially high floor guys with high ceilings. So Giannis mm-hmm. and Luca, 
but they were all guys who were above league average in shot volume, like field goal percentage, and also defense. I think if you play three of those guys, like if you can get, you can fit Luca and Giannis into an MVP build and not have the worst time ever building a lineup. Right. But there's something to be said for guys who are just cold and can blow up like DeMar DeRozan. If you look at his game scores, he's like 26 or like 61. And I I think those guys are, I think they're going to find their ways into that studs and duds type of build. Like, look at the, look at the difference on the, that would frustrate the hell out of me. But like when he pops off, he can win you a week. Yeah. Like a 67 or that 62, like what, just looking at the games around that, his L10 was probably about third. That's Levine being out too. Sure, and that's going to happen more too. But a lot. <laughs> but th- there are going to be guys who are high shot volume guys who don't do a whole lot else. See, like forty six points and a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists. They're going to have those ceiling games where they've been cold, and all of a sudden their L10 is like down in the thirties. And I think that's how you get there. I think you need to take big swings with guys, but like okay. playing a like Colin Sexton was a guy we thought would be that guy, but he his scores are all like his L ten is twenty and he's like 21, 23, 19. But he doesn't 21. get enough minutes. Not yet. He right. doesn't get enough minutes. But when when he does, then all of a sudden he like is gonna be a DeRozan type guy. And immediately that like as soon as Mike Conley gets traded, I know right. I made that point mm-hmm. a couple of times already, but like I think it's that. I is it like going to be is it going to be the best build over time and win every single week no but i think giannis luca a guy like nick claxton who is on a 31 plays a ton of defense and all of a sudden you know ben simmons is out and he unlocks the upside and then a couple of these guys who just can take advantage of stunted l10s because they can just go off like crazy and there's plenty of those guys but they're going to frustrate the hell out of you along the way i like it what do you think larry I love that you brought DeRozan up because he's exactly the kind of player that wins this game. Like you're not going to always win with him, but like he, he feels like the type of player, where is he now? L10 of 33, which like the more I build 33 is like, you can probably get like, like he could be like your fourth stud if you have like a cheat code. Mm -hmm. And so the Kaminga. So like, But you use a Kaminga to get them all. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. So it's like, does does Kaminga and DeRozan, if DeRozan can drop a 60, like, is that worth it? And I, I, I don't think we've seen nearly enough game weeks to, like, figure out what works. Yeah. What I do think is that it's going to be, like, highly, highly dependent on the cheat code every week. Like, if the cheat code is an L10 of 12 that week, and it's not, and that, which is not really a cheat code, then it's like, then everyone's, lineups just aren't as good because like yeah, you can't right. fit in all of those. If there's like a literal cheat code and you know, it's somebody Kaminga is the guy and he drops 20 on a, like an L 10 of two, like you're going to have like more powerful lineups. And so I don't think there's ever going to be like a, this is how you do it because like we can't, we just don't know what the L tens are going to be ahead of time. And so right. you can kind of project it if you if you think, oh, this guy's out, he'll come back. But I have like been focusing on a lot of guys like DeRozan in that like yep. 30 to 40 range that it's like, can he really go off? Like my favorite one is Devin Booker. 
Yep. Yeah. And good one. Hooker's Especially probably now, tonight. Like, with 38, no, so this is actually a little higher. No Paul tonight. And now so. no Chris Paul, who I have. Uh, so that like just salt <laughs> the wound there. Like he hasn't actually been that great this year, Booker nope. yet. But like we know he can have big games. And so yep. he actually he's almost too efficient, unlike DeRozan. Like DeRozan, if he takes like 38 shots, you're just like, yeah. Tomorrow night, yeah, let's just go. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not sure Booker's taking 38 shots any night, but and depending so, on who's missing, maybe <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Here are my top projections around the DeRozan L10, like in that 30 range. You got DeRozan, Alperin Sengen, Jared yes, Allen, Nicholas Claxton, Isaiah Hartenstein, Bull Bull, your boy Josh Hart, Kevin Love. Like those guys can't do what DeRozan can do. Yeah. Those, those are all the high floor guys. Sangoon yeah. well, and Claxton were in my video, and Jared Allen had fifty-five. He can, but Jared fans. Allen can show up with nine blocks. Like those right. are the interesting twenty guys. rebounds the other night. Right. So, you, what's what's hysterical about the way you guys answered that question is exactly how I didn't want you to answer because it's what I'm doing and not being successful with it. <laughs> So it's like you guys are like validating my process that I'm undergoing that has not been successful. But I'm like, it's probably too small of a sample. I was going to say, I don't think you can look at anything right now and be like, this this doesn't work. Like, right. if if you make a lineup and you have, you know, 30 L10 points left, I really wish we could like figure out what we're calling this, scoring cap points or whatever the hell yeah. it is. If you have 30 left over, like you probably shouldn't run that lineup. Like, I do think unless that unless you're this... just trying to let it go, like you just talked about earlier, unless it's like a let it go lineup. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, Mike Basson brought up Javon Carter. Like he's a popular one that people mm-hmm. have been playing that like yep. has grossly outperformed his L10. But the I, I just don't think that we're necessarily I mean, we're absolutely too early to like be like, this is the strategy that works. Like the strategy that works is like, yeah, go get the guy who had an L10 of zero that scored 26. Go get him. And then I think you will do well. And it's like, that just doesn't happen every week. And so we don't know, like, I don't think, I don't like the way the NBA plays. I, there, I don't think there will ever be like, oh, this is how you have to play champion. Other than I do think you need to have like some, at least one like legit Elite, star, yeah. but you like, I, I always, I, I feel like I'm I've been slightly vindicated, but because it's such a small sample, but like when everyone's like, you have to have one of Giannis Doncic or Jokic. And it's like, you don't yet, but like obviously they help tremendously in yeah. it's certainly in champion. They help smooth out the curve because mm-hmm. you know, some days you don't fire right on your Devin Booker when he's in that spot, but then some weeks you do. So um it's I wanted to do a real quick Javon Carter thing because I just heard this on a pod yesterday. I thought it was awesome. So Javon Carter is actually a great shout for anybody on here still. So he's been starting. Um, They had debated Wes Matthews coming in, and supposedly Budenholzer threatened Javon Carter that he was going to lose his starting spot if he didn't start shooting more. Like he was just passing up too many open shots. And so Mm -hmm. Javon Carter was like, okay. And then that night he took like 13 shots, and Budenholzer was like, okay. You can keep playing. <laughs> so, like, if you ever get, like, That's any inside shit. Well, yeah, exactly. It's, it's the whole thing. Like, yeah, it's great that you're playing with Drew Holiday and Giannis and Brooke Lopez. And when he gets healthy, Chris Middleton. But you can't be a zero on the court. You know, you just can't. 
you know, hide in the corner. You know, you need to, when you get the shot, pass up. So I think Javon Carter is like a great shout. And Milwaukee's missing everybody tonight. So he's going to get um, a bit of a extended run, to say the least. And what's mm-hmm. his score look like? What, or uh, what's his price graph look like? Oh, yeah, that'd be great to see. Because I'm pretty sure uh, sell, sell now. Uh, yeah, it's not really up. No, it's not see, really popped. No, see, that, that's, that's the thing. Nice it's like anytime. So, like Carter, yeah, he was great. Seven, L10 for a while. And he was playing 23, 23, 23. And I have found that anytime I have a guy like that, and all of a sudden I'm like, all right, time to get out. It's already happened. Right. Yeah. It goes the opposite way, too. Like, same with the guys who you think you're getting ahead of the curve with. Like, yeah, I found a cheat code and I go, look, I'm like, all right, everyone's already bought him. <laughs> when, when I have a guy, I'm like, all right, I bought him as a cheat code and he's kind of starting to hit that point. Like, it's already gone. Yeah, I think it's just you have to buy them before their cheat codes. Yeah. like Or before everybody real. Like, I think if you have the the knowledge of seeing uh, – an injury happens that day. Like, so I think what, sorry, this is like a scrambled way. I'm getting, I'm getting on track, but I think the real easy way to actually get the best cheat codes is to get the guys in the middle of the game week. So like, I think that there's a lot of concentration on who's out the night before or the day before the, the game week locks. But like Damian Lee is one that I, I talked to Laird about last night. Um, and he really didn't have a run up even last night. I think today you you told he me he's getting yeah. some churn, but there was actually <laughs> well nobody kind of really realized it too that he was the biggest Cam Johnson benefit because Tory Craig started. These prices are all over the place. Yeah, it's it's kind of all over. Um, so there's not really a run up on him, so to speak. But I think if you can find those guys in the middle of a game week that all of a sudden the role changes, like one that I, I missed on, I heard on a podcast today, not so related, but it was AJ Griffin um, for Atlanta played a ton of minutes. He was our first round pick this year. It's the first time he's played extended minutes and he just absolutely went off. I'm a little concerned about that kind of guy because it's only one game sample um, look, you're seeing a little bit of a boost on him. Okay, Market seems to disagree boost. with your only one game. <laughs> well, look, look at his SO5 scores, Laird, and look at the minutes. I always look at minutes first. Minutes right. to me are the biggest sign of anything. Yeah. So you only have years. one game there, and he went off. And then I also look at the score, and I go, it's a blowout. I didn't watch the game. So w- was it because he blew out, or did he help it blow out? Like, was it him that caused it? Those are the hard things. But if you're watching a game and you see a guy getting an extended run or you see a rotational change, if you can get in that and if you ask yourself like, oh, why hasn't this guy blown up? That was the time to buy it. Because I think by the next day, the market does lag a little bit still. Yeah. Um, because probably because there are so many cards out there at any given time. I think there is a little bit of a lag there. Um, what we did, What we did see, there was no lag though, was what was it the – um was it last friday the the warriors all all got ruled out what was it like two or three o'clock yeah and kaminga moody and then jordan pool all just full dude you can do pool too kaminga i think you'll get the big old Kaminga's little thing there it is right there i mean those just became that one just almost became too obvious because the warriors just ruled out everybody yeah 
right? It wasn't like they just ruled out Steph. They ruled out Steph, Clay, Draymond, uh, yeah. and Wiggins. So yeah. it's like, pick anybody. <laughs> pick any of the guys. Like, they're all going to get big boosts. There's no wrong answer here. But there's your little middle finger graph. Yeah. And I, I just, I just ran, ran, rambled, but I hope I got to some sort of point there. No, no, no. And it, it, it reminded me of something that we talked about because I was saying to you that it, it felt like the best time to buy players was right after the deadline because it's like there's a run up and then with all these auctions, everyone's like, all right, I have my players. And so like the next auctions are always really cheap. And you were like, you can't always do that though, because the news that happens like throughout the game week will help determine who you want in the next game week. So like, just because you got someone cheap after their run up doesn't mean that they're going to pop back up or get worse or, you know, or their L10 pops or what, whatever it is that like, yeah, you got this card for less than what people were paying for it a few hours ago, but it's also not a card you want to play anymore or, right. or that's, or the new price where you got them is their price now because they're a, not a cheat code anymore. Or they're not, or they're just like situations change. And so, or they get hurt, you know, like even that can happen. And so That's the worst, it is kind of this weird. <laughs> Blake Wesley. Yeah. The only oh, one God, I bought. That was the, the only one I bought. Yeah. Oh. That one, that one was pure because that was actually the next Keegan because he was actually at zero L10. Yeah. 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 Now he's and he 11. Tears his knee. Like not... <laughs> he tears his knee. Yeah. That's and as rough. you can see, they stopped selling. So like, these all of these purple ones are uh public offers so these are like cards that are bought off the market so it's they were purchased here and sold here just people snap buying them off and then he tears his knee and it's like and obviously they have stopped the auctions as of like a week ago because nobody's gonna buy a guy with a torn ac or whatever it is so yeah we did less strategy than i was expecting so I'm going to probably just sign you guys up for more of these. If you guys don't mind, we'll just just run it back. We'll figure that out. (laughs) But thank you to everybody who has joined us live, uh, particularly those people. If you guys would please hit the like button. It's always really helpful. If you could also kind of share this video with people that, you know, if you've liked it and you can say, hey, I really like this video. Trying to get this So Rare Data NBA channel up and running. I know it's not going to be as big as football yet, but if you guys could uh, do that, that's always really appreciated. And uh, yeah, if you are watching the replay, you can do the same thing. Or if you're listening to the audio version, if you could rate and review it, it is on the same feed as our football uh, podcast, just because it was a little easier. But there's an icon that's different, looks different. So you're not going to be like, hey, I I don't want this NBA stuff. It's easy to change, to ignore it. Or you can ignore the football stuff if you want. It's all there uh, for you. So guys, thank you so much for this. And uh, good luck trying to figure out this crazy game, man. Yep. Good luck, everybody.